friendship, and have a adventure. So if that's something you're interested in this summer, come talk to me after this if you're not going to the basketball game. But it, let's say they're running to the basketball game, but they still want to talk. Is, are you going to be here tomorrow? Yes, I will be at the career fair tomorrow. Where is it? I'm not sure. Does anyone know where the career fair is tomorrow? In the gym, the Sutton Center. Yeah, named after our own Sutton Hardy. Yeah. Um, and, and Lucy assures me that if you're not looking to work the whole summer, commitment's hard. Um, so if you can't commit the whole summer, they'd still love to talk to you about part of the summer. So thanks, Lucy. Talk to Lucy afterward. Uh, Mary Mac and Timberlake are great. Um, I've had a lot of students from Appalachian that were counselors there, campers there, and it's really great. So highly recommend that to you. Um, so glad you're here. Um, if I don't know you, my name is Chris. I would really love to get to know you. A uh, really special welcome to you if this is your first time or one of your first times here at RUF. We're really glad that you're here. Um, I would love to get to know you. Our intern Slayton would love to get to know you. Also, if you're here and you're a guy and you're looking to get connected um, uh, with some more guys, um, I would recommend talk to Sutton and Davis that are in there in the back, or to Jack, who was doing our announcements, our man Akil over there with the glasses. Uh, guys, put your hands up if they can come talk to you. Talk to one of those guys. They host a really great group um, in their homes on Mondays and Thursdays. So. Um, this semester, in uh, this time, we're looking at this ancient book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes. And basically, the question of Ecclesiastes, uh, it doesn't tend to be one of the more commonly read books of the Bible, is uh, what if there is no God? Like, what if the world that we see is all that there is? If that's the case, is it possible to find deep fulfillment or happiness um, in any of the things that the world has to offer us. Um, or to put it another way, the, uh, the quest of the person writing this book um, is to find out that if he got everything that he ever wanted, would that be enough? Would that be enough to satisfy him? And tonight in chapter two of Ecclesiastes, basically what this teacher is doing is setting out to, um, to, to explore pleasure like the things that feel good to us, is there a kind of pleasure that the world can offer us that will deeply satisfy? And he has, uh, most people think that the person that wrote this is Solomon in the Old Testament, a super wealthy, super wise person. He obviously had a lifestyle that could afford him all kinds of pleasures. Many of us are uh, seeking to gain such a lifestyle um, when we get done with college, to get a job that enables us to live a, uh, a really prosperous lifestyle. And uh, our brother Solomon comes before us and explores that for us. Um, what I want to do, um, I'm going to pray before we read this passage. I want you to invite you to close your eyes, if you're comfortable doing so. And I want you to imagine all of your dreams coming true. And that's different for each of us. Um, that may seem really obvious, the thing that we really want to happen. Um, maybe for some of us, we're not quite as sure. But just kind of imagine it all working out, your five-year plan all coming together. Lord, to the best of our abilities, we hold in our minds and in our hearts um, the things that we long for to come true. And many of them are so beautiful um, to be safe, to be successful, 
um, to do something that matters, to be with someone that we love, to be in a place that we love. And Lord, um, we pray that as we hear your word, that you will invite us uh, into a life in which we don't find ourselves less delighted, but more. We don't find ourselves less human, but more. Um, Invite us into a life with you, uh, even through these words of wisdom and warning and invitation. And we pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Okay, so here's what this writer says in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, there are some on that table. You can just take one with you later. Um, The writer says this, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. So he's going, he's going to test himself with all kinds of pleasure. He says, but that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. He's uh, very intense, FYI, if you haven't heard him before. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. Fruit trees were big back in that day. And I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. I bought male and female slaves. This is how wealthy he was. He could actually own humans. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. I acquired acquired male and female singers, great musicians, and a harem as well. No no great wealth is complete without just a group of people that just there to have sex with you. Uh, That's what he had. That's that's what a harem is, by the way. Um, The delights of a man's heart. Yikes. Okay. I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. And this is how he kind of sums it up. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Basically what he's saying is that if it felt good, I did it. I tried it. My heart took delight in all my labor. And this was the reward for all my toil. So he walks through all these different kinds of pleasure. And in the end, he says, it was good. My heart took delight. Uh, that was the reward for all the effort that I put out was I actually enjoyed all these good gifts. Um, he, he, if, you, if you walk back through it, uh, laughter, humor, joking. Um, he cheered himself with wine, uh, you know, strong drink and food. Um, he undertook great projects of art and architecture uh, and of nature, building these amazing vineyards and gardens, which are still talked about even to this day. And then he had huge, like huge wealth. There is nothing that he couldn't do in his day. When he says he has herds and flocks, tons of wealth. Um, he delighted himself in, in sex. He had people that would do whatever it is that he wanted to do to delight in the body of another. 
And he even got accolades. He became greater than anyone else. He was successful in all of his work. He got affirmation. And in the end, he says, you know, that was, it was great. It was actually quite beautiful. But again, this is a test. And this is the end of his test there in verse 11. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. In the end, even though he's enjoyed these amazing and beautiful gifts, he finds that in the end he still doesn't find deep satisfaction. In a sense, that what he longed for still eluded him. Um, he was like our sister Saint Ariel, the mermaid. Um, you know, wouldn't you think I'm the girl, girl who has? Thank you. I've got gadgets and gizmos aplenty. This is my, I love this movie. I got who's its and what's its galore. You want thingamabobs? Yeah, yeah. I got 20. But in the end, what did she say? But who cares? No big deal. Oh, that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Can we get that in the rotation, Max? In the end, he's just like Ariel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have all these amazing things. But I want more. When have you ever gotten something or experienced something and you were like, I'm good. I'm just going to ride it on out from here on out. He says, and this is what he says again and again in Ecclesiastes. It's like chasing vapor. It's like trying to hold on to a cloud. The thing that we want eludes us. And I, I won't go through all of them, but you know, humor is a beautiful and good gift. Some of you guys are like the funniest people that I have ever known. But there are times when you can't laugh, you know, that laughing drives up. Or he talks, he talks about drink. You know, I, I will say this about drink. Drink is a, is a great friend and a terrible lover. And some of you guys know what that feels like. He even goes on, he, talk, he talks about sex, you know, and, and, and we can, you know, sort of, sort of tell ourselves that, that sex just feels good um, because, of course, it, it does. But when we give ourselves to someone or receive someone, um, we deeply want to matter to them. And we deeply want to matter to ourselves. Carrie Cohen, um, she has an amazing memoir called Loose Girl in which she talks about, um, I had accepted these people um, into me and I wanted to matter to them. I wanted to matter to myself. But even like the most safe and beautiful and committed sex is always fleeting. Some of y'all grew up in the Christian world that was like, don't go have premarital sex because when you have sex, then everything will be okay in your marriage. And I've been married for a strong 15 years and I can tell you that every single married person I know would laugh deeply at that statement. Um, there is a beautiful, safe, committed sex that is still fleeting, that still leaves us wanting more. In the end, all of these things, as beautiful as they are and as good of gifts as they are, they still fail to satisfy our souls. I was reading a pastor named Zach Eswine on this passage, and uh, he said this, I cut it out and I put it on my notes, as Slayton noticed, because this is what the notes look like. All right. Um, he said, foraging for pleasures 
We rebel as teenagers or in our midlife crisis. On our walls, we put up posters or take them down, take our jobs and leave them, drink our booze or give it up. We take our medicine or quit it. We undress with strangers or refuse to do so, marry our spouses or leave them, have our kids or estrange them. We dye our hair or leave it natural, change our clothes or garage sale them, save our money or spend it. All of us hoping that in some gas station in life, a figurative or literal lottery ticket with a winning number waits for us to find it. Finding it will elude us, however. Why? And this, this is, has, has, I think, is very profound. Because to enjoy oneself is to drink in what only the self can provide. To enjoy oneself is to drink in what only the self can provide. And what if what the self can provide isn't enough to deeply fulfill or satisfy a human being? Um, we become like a dog chasing its tail. You ever seen a dog chase its tail? It's, a, it's great, great action. Uh, I watch my dog chase her tail all the time. Have you ever see, seen a dog catch its tail? It's also hilarious. But it's kind of like, yeah, okay, well, I got it. And then the dog just kind of lays down and goes back about its life. When the dog catches its tail, in the end, it's still just its tail. Um, But maybe you're in here and you're not the pleasure-seeking type. After all, you are at RUF. And so um, I have observed in my few days at Wake Forest that often we, we... find ourselves in one of two camps. We are pleasure seekers or we are pleasure avoiders, um, which is probably just a small number of people and everyone else in the middle is super confused about what to do about pleasure and sex and drink and all these things. But often we are pro-pleasure or we are suspicious of pleasure. If it feels good, do it. Or if it feels good, you probably shouldn't do that. And this ancient teacher, though, he goes on to say in the book of Ecclesiastes that if you are the suspicious of pleasure type, that's actually worse than being the pro-pleasure type, because then you're just more sad. (laughs) You have less of a good time. Actually, in verse 10, I mean, he says, I, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and that was the reward. There is a delight in gifts. He says uh, later on in the book that God put joy into our hearts to be explored in pleasure. You know, instead of the dog that chases its tail and just ends up with its tail, it's like the dog that just stays on the porch while everyone else has a great time. Whether we are pleasure seekers or pleasure avoiders, it can still be about us. It's either like, if it feels good, do it, and then I'm okay. If, if it feels good and I do it, then I will be okay. Or if I just don't become the kind of person that does those things, then I'm okay. We can either seek pleasure and find that it is vacuous Or we can avoid pleasure and never have a good time. So, what do we do? Jesus um, said this. He said that you are blessed when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
He said, if you, and the word blessed really means happy. You will be happy, fulfilled, uh, deeply at ease with yourself if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Um, just last weekend, I, or two weekends ago, I was at a wedding in Asheville. And um, I had officiated the wedding. And um, afterward, you know, there's always like the cocktail hour where you talk to people that you don't really want to talk to while you wait for the bride and the groom and the wedding party to take pictures. And, uh, of course, I love talking to everyone, so I didn't have that problem. But they kept coming around with these brisket biscuits. And they were tiny biscuits with a little brisket on it. I see that face, Max Camp. It was delicious. <laughs> and, in fact, these brisket biscuits were so delicious that I probably ate eight plus brisket biscuits and a Miller Lite or two. And by the time that it came for the meal, when they opened up the reception area and this beautiful meal was served, I was like, I don't know that I can eat a single thing. They had prepared this amazing, beautiful meal, but I had satisfied my hunger with eight to 10 brisket biscuits. And the question that I want to pose for us as we um, think about what this teacher is is showing to us is what if you are like Ariel and you do want more, but you keep filling it, that longing for more with just more brisket biscuits so that (laughs) I'm very lost in my uh, my (laughs) illustrations right now. What if you are deeply hungry for something, but you keep filling it with things that don't quite satisfy, but they tide you over enough to keep from being hungry? What does it actually look like to embrace a hunger that Jesus calls blessed? And I I just want to tell you two things, because it's funny in this setting, like, uh, it's like either like, well, he's either going to tell us like, go do stuff or don't go do stuff. And I'm going to listen and find out which one it is and try it out. I'm not going to do either one of those. The prophet Isaiah writes this in Isaiah 55. And I want you to hear, even if you don't believe in God, imagine God saying these words and what does it mean? Like, what if this is the only thing you had ever heard God say? Come... All you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. One of the truest promises that God, and clearest promises that God offers to us is the promise that he will satisfy us with deep pleasure. The image that he uses is to come to him and to get wine and milk and food without money that will deeply satisfy you. 
And it will satisfy us because it is drawn from him. And he is eternal. Did you ever think about like God being eternal, having any practical like benefit in life? If God is eternal, then he can continually offer something that will never run out. And that is what he is, is offering. Listen, come to me that you may live. Uh, a bishop in Africa uh, many hundreds of years ago named Augustine said, put it like this. He said, you made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Now, you might be hearing like, ah, see, that's a preacher thing. You were talking about stuff that's actually part of life, and now you're talking about the afterlife, and I'm not interested in that. And, you know, to be honest, usually I'm not interested in that either. Um, but I was uh, listening to this uh, comedian named Neil Brennan. Has anyone ever listened to Neil Brennan's stand-up? Yeah. Just, just me. Yes. Addy. We could talk. And uh, Neil Brennan is not a religious person. He doesn't believe in God. He has hilarious atheism jokes. They're so funny. Um, and uh, he, was, he was talking about, talking about it, and he was talking about an after, uh, the afterlife. And he was making this joke about how rejecting the afterlife is like, can be like a ridiculously privileged position. He's like, so, imagine someone being like, hey, can I interest you in the afterlife? And you're like, oh, no thanks. What could be better than this, right? How much better can life be? I'll just take my supplements and see what happens. What if we haven't allowed ourselves to be, I just slid that Neil Brennan joke in there and everyone's like, uh, okay. Um, <laughs> it's fascinating to think, I mean, we just, we just celebrated Dr. King's birthday this week. It's fascinating to think about how animated um, the civil rights movement led by our black brothers and sisters was precisely because they believed that there was something after this um, and how much it animated their lives now and have affected all of us deeply. But what if we haven't allowed ourselves to be hungry enough? God promises to satisfy us with himself. But, and this is where we'll stop because there's a basketball game um, that we will win. Um, Here's the best and scariest news that I've ever heard. Not that God promises to satisfy you with himself. Because, like, I know that that probably sounds good, but it doesn't move the needle a ton when we have options. The best and scariest news is that God promises that you will be his pleasure. That you will be his delight. That he will actually delight himself in you and actually already does. There's this passage in the book of Hebrews that says this about Jesus. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What the writer of the Hebrews is saying is that the reason why Jesus went to the cross and suffered so much is because there was a joy before him. 
Just like the, he writes in verse 10, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Jesus did not deny himself the thing that his eye desired, which is you. The thing that delights God is you and being with you. Jesus is the one who found a treasure in a field and went and sold everything that he had so he could go and buy that field and, own, and get that treasure out of the ground. That is you. And I'll, I'll just say this, um, as someone that has been married for a while, it is much easier to delight in your spouse than to allow your spouse to delight in you. It is much easier to try to give happiness and pleasure and joy to someone else than to allow someone to find happiness and pleasure and joy in you because it's deeply risky. And the question for us is, are you willing to risk being the object of God's delight? What if he just loves being around you and wants to be near you and wants to offer things to you that you could never imagine? Are we willing to be wanted. That's our time. Let's pray. It's 8.50. Woo! Okay. Lord Jesus, thank you um, that you delight us with yourself and that you see us as the object of your delight. Teach us to be hungry that we might be satisfied in you. We pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.